Welcome to the Share Life Podcast with Jason Scott Montoya, where we explore stories and systems to live better and work smarter. Thank you for joining this Listen to Learn episode of the Share Life Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Grace Young, a follower of Jesus, wife, expat, teacher, creative, introvert, and a blogger at calminggrace.com. She's encouraging Christian mindfulness and meditation to two topics we'll be discussing today. And she seeks to calm anxious minds by God's grace and with faith, mindfulness, and journaling. I'm excited to have this conversation with Sarah today because I think the topic of Christian mindfulness and meditation is critical in our walk with Jesus, as difficult as it can be for all of us at different times and seasons. But it's also highly relevant in the distracted world we live in. We're also told in scriptures to take our thoughts captive, to renew our minds, and to submit our will to Christ, but we're not often taught exactly how to do this. This conversation is intended to give us a practical, the, the practical steps we can take today, tomorrow, and the weeks to come. In fact, Sarah has a, an ebook that you can um, check out um, to actually walk you through the steps, and she'll be sharing a little bit about that. In the following conversation, we're also going to discuss about God, humanity's brokenness, keys to Christian mindfulness and meditation, the differences and similarities between Christian and other practices, the role of scripture, God constructed safe places, our connection with God, and available tools that we should use or stay away from. Before we dive into this topic, Sarah, tell us about you, how you ended up focused on Christian mindfulness and meditation, and why you're compelled to share it with others. All right. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Jason, for inviting me to share on your podcast. Yeah. It's really a privilege. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so my name is Sarah. Um, I'm from Colorado, and I currently live in Bogota, Colombia with my husband. So I moved here about seven years ago as a missionary and a teacher of English as a second language. Um, for a bit of my background, I grew up in church um, in what you could call the charismatic or Pentecostal tradition. Okay. So I always had a sense of God's love and God's presence with me and a strong love for his word. Um, then I studied at a Christian university and that's where I started learning more about theology and church history and different Christian traditions. Okay. And um, did that open up your world quite a bit? once yeah. by going there in terms of your own denominational experience yeah <laughs> yeah because i um didn't know a lot about various christian traditions and theology so mm. uh, that was kind of my first introduction to um christian meditation and okay. also the more contemplative side of spirituality yeah um and the more i learned about it um the more I realized it wasn't really that far removed from the charismatic tradition I grew up in okay. with its focus on God's presence. <clears throat> um, but at the same time, there was always sort of this separation between my spiritual life uh, and my own mental health and well-being. And I didn't always know how my faith actually made a difference in my everyday life. Okay. And I think that's a common issue for a lot of Christians to have yeah. sort of a divide between the spiritual and the physical. Um, but I think understanding the gospel can help us restore that broken relationship and have mm. 
um, wholeness between those things. Yeah. So um, I always struggled with anxiety um, and I used to get up. Like even from a young age or so it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I guess I've had sort of different kinds of social anxiety and just um, being anxious about um, the future and worried. So I used to kind of catastrophize a lot and get caught up in my thoughts. Yeah. Um, and it was about four or five years ago that I was in a season of um, a lot of anxiety and stress. And uh, my mind was just in overdrive all the time. Yeah. So I started going to therapy and um, my, my therapist or my counselor um, started showing me some different tools to help me manage. And uh, one of those tools was mindfulness. Yeah. Um, so I pretty much taught myself about mindfulness from mm -hmm. online courses and yeah. meditation apps and other resources. And along the way, I found a lot of consistencies between mindfulness and the Bible and Christian yeah. theology. Um, so using mindfulness together with my Christian faith made a big difference in helping me to manage um, stress and anxiety. Yeah. And did you, would you, um, uh, just a quick question on the, like you were in a season where really needed this resource, this tool. Mm -hmm. Do you think this is something that there is a sense of you got to have a, a, a felt pain before you can learn it? Or do you think we can learn it before that season? So when that season comes, we're ready for it. What, what do you think? I think ideally we would learn it before we come into that difficult season. Yeah. Um, and mindfulness, it is really more preventative, if that's mm -hmm. the word. Um, yeah. The idea is to develop a mindful attitude um, in your daily life so that you can kind of bring that into difficult situations when they come up. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, what I'm hearing from you also is this really had a, a, a real deep, powerful impact on you mm -hmm. and you had to share it with others. Is, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I was really kind of excited to find the connection um, between just like the science of psychology of mindfulness yeah. and um, and the Bible and finding all these Bible verses about it. And, um, and so when I was in the season, I couldn't find a lot of uh, resources for it from a Christian perspective. So I think one of my goals in starting my website um, was to create a resource for Christians um, who want to learn more about mindfulness from a Christian yeah. perspective. Yeah. So why do you think that it's so anemic? Because I, I share that lament with you and, and, um, and it seems like as long as Christianity has been around, someone should have solved this. And I'm sure there are many who have, and it's just perhaps I'm not aware of it or it's gotten sort of forgotten, but maybe it's a seasonal thing where it's kind of eras of Christianity comes and goes, but I don't know what, how would, how do you explain that? How do you reconcile that, that anemicness of, this seems like a wonderful thing for us to be 
um, aware of and, and, and disciplined in, and yet it's not, maybe, what would you say to that? I think um, to some extent, Christians have a sort of cautious attitude towards mindfulness because um, in kind of the popular um, mindset, it's connected with Buddhism or new age spirituality. Yeah. And so a lot of Christians kind of tend to avoid it because of that connotation. Yeah. Uh, and it's true that mindfulness does have some, some roots in, um, in Buddhism, but if you look at what it actually is, um, we'll see that it's, um, it's equally in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> equally, um, is it simply a, a shallow word, uh, sh- a shared word that because this word is shared, it, we kind of give it that association or is it deeper than that? I think so. And I think it's, um, it's really a matter of coming to understand what is actually meant by the word mindfulness. And, um, when we understand what mindfulness is, then we can see that it doesn't have to do with any religion in particular, um, Mm -hmm. it's more skill or mental, um, skill. So, um, we can see how, um, just our Christian faith can also speak into it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess maybe let's start there. Like how, how would you define Christian mindfulness? How would you define Christian meditation? I think start with those two and, and then we can kind of unpack that from there. Yeah. So popular definition of mindfulness would just be living in the present. Mm-hmm. Um, but more specifically, um, it's living in the present with three specific attitudes. Okay. Um, and so I'll talk about these three aspects and I'll talk about how each one ties into our Christian faith. Okay. So the first, first one is present moment awareness. Um, just being aware of our experiences, our thoughts and emotions in this present moment. Um, And I think for Christians, we know that God is present with us and um, we can always turn our attention to his presence with us um, by the Holy Spirit living in us and with us um, in every moment of our day. So we can always be present with God. Um, The second aspect is being intentional about this awareness. Yeah. um, Paying attention on purpose, choosing to make, um, choosing to pay attention in the present moment. And I think this ties in with how we are taught to do everything we do for the purpose of the glory of God. Like in um, Colossians 3, it says, do everything, whether eating or drinking or whatever you do, mm-hmm. um, to glorify God. So when we become intentional about living in the present, we can do everything, whether it's you know cooking or cleaning or working yeah. or reading, whatever, we can make the decision to do it um, for the purpose of glorifying God. Okay. And 
Then the third aspect of mindfulness is non-judgmental awareness. Okay. And so this is paying attention to our experiences um, without making judgment calls about whether something is good or bad, mm -hmm. uh, but being more open and curious about our experiences. Mm. And, and our own or others or both? Um, usually it's about our own experiences, but it's yeah. also having a non-judgmental attitude towards others, definitely. Yeah, okay. Um, and I think this ties in with um, just the gospel of grace, how, how God has a non-judgmental attitude towards us. Mm -hmm. um, if our faith is in Christ, there's no condemnation for us. And um, he always responds to us with grace and forgiveness. And so knowing that can also help us have um, kind of a non-judgmental attitude towards ourselves and give ourselves yeah. the, same, the same grace that God gives us. Yeah. And so what is, um, you know, I guess let's talk about this idea of God's presence, his involvement in in these three facets of, of it and, and how that contrasts more directly with, with our own brokenness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to recognize just that when our faith is in Christ, um, we have the Holy spirit living inside of us and God is always present with us. So, um, I would say when it comes to our brokenness, um, because of the fall and because of sin, um, we are dealing with broken relationships on a daily basis. And I think it's not only broken relationships with others, but also between ourselves and God, um, between ourselves and God's creation. Yeah. And even our relationship with ourselves. Okay. Um, and so I think um, this is the result of sin entering the world and, and the human heart. And part of, um, I guess, part of mindfulness is kind of trying to restore that brokenness um, and see how God can bring wholeness back into these relationships um, and recognizing God's presence um, and just seeing how God is actively involved in, yeah. in these relationships and seeing how, how he's, he's in all the details and he can bring wholeness back into all these details. Yeah. And so the, so there's, there's, um, when Christians, we place our faith in Christ to restore us, to invite the Holy spirit in. And, and I, I think what I'm hearing from you is that once that happens, then it's a matter of God working that out in us. But when we don't, when we're not, when we don't place our faith in Christ, we are, we are subject to the burden that, that, that burden that, that, that we feel in either case. Right. Yeah. But we have, we, and then we attempt to do other things to sort of compensate or, or um, cope with that. Or is, am I sort of contrasting that in a way that you would 
agree with? Yeah, I think, I guess, like without God, we're left to ourselves and our own devices. And yeah, I think, um, yeah, just understanding the gospel is that Christ, you know, took our brokenness and took our sin. And we, and when we put our faith in him, um, he enters into our lives and, and we can trust him to kind of do the work of um, transforming us in that way. Mm-hmm. And so I guess, um, you know, the Holy Spirit has this role. Um, we have our role. How would you, how would you sort of distinguish the, the difference between the two and, and our part in that? Um, and, or are, are just getting out of the way maybe is only our part, you know? <laughs> I think um, we should be intentional about um, kind of putting ourselves before God mm-hmm. and um, making the space and time to open our hearts to God in prayer and worship and um, in reading the word. So I think that is our responsibility to um, make ourselves available. Yeah. Uh, But then it's not that we do the transformation. It's that the Holy spirit is the one who transforms us. Mm -hmm. And so how does, how would you say mindfulness differs from like prayer and worship? Mm -hmm. Um. Well, I think um, it's important to distinguish between mindfulness and meditation. Okay. Um, if I could go back. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. A bit about meditation. Um, so mindfulness is like a set of skills, a set of mindsets. Um, and meditation is really just a way to practice or cultivate those skills. Um and there are different kinds of meditation. So there's mindfulness meditation, which is usually focusing on um, a, a, an aspect of your present moment experience, such as okay. your breath or your body or the sounds that you can hear. Um, and that's the object of focus in mindfulness meditation. And it's really kind of just like a workout for your attention like you're strengthening the muscle or practicing the habit so that you can use it more in your daily life. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, this is different from what we usually think of as Christian meditation. Okay. Um, Christian meditation is usually based on reading and thinking about God's word um, okay. and God's presence. And um There's a lot of different methods, but it usually involves reading a few verses of scripture, um, thinking about it, listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying through it, um, and then responding in prayer. And there's also things like contemplative prayer, which really just involves resting and sitting quietly in God's presence and allowing him to work in our hearts. Um, So... I think there are these specific meditation methods that we can practice um, and also um, 
I guess it relates to like prayer and worship because um, we can bring the same attitude mm-hmm. into prayer. Um, for example, uh, for example, the non non-judgmental attitude um, coming into God's presence, knowing that we are forgiven. Um, yeah. When we pray, like um, we can know that Christ has, has opened up the way for us to enter God's presence um, with confidence and um, we can pray and bring the things to God that we're struggling with, the difficult, the broken things, um, knowing that God will respond with his grace and his compassion. Mm -hmm. Mm. we're not left wondering like almost making this uh act this sort of offer hoping for a response we, we can actually know what we're going to get in return response mm-hmm. yeah yeah I so think, yeah it's trusting just that that um god's going to respond to us with his love um he doesn't respond with um anger or judgment and yeah because we're in Christ, we're forgiven and we're yeah. under, under his grace. So I guess unwrap that a little bit because it, that, that either implies that, um, well, like I mentioned earlier, for those that are not Christians, they feel the weight, but even in, within Christianity or different denominations or just even certain communities, that weight of judgment and condemnation can be, uh, be exuded by by the leadership or the people in that community with the people around them um so in other words perhaps there is a bad theology at play in in certain aspects or or veins of christianity what what would you speak to that do you agree with that well i think um there are some churches or people who kind of expect um expect the Christian life to be more of um, like cleaning yourself up first. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of, you have to be good and you have to perform um, to, to get God's favor or something. I would say that's the opposite of the gospel. Um, And using, using shame or judgment as a motivator for um, changing behavior is not gonna work. It doesn't ever help anyone grow, yeah. I think, because, um, you know, God uses his love and his grace to draw us to change how we live. Yeah. And um, I guess yeah, there's a verse that says, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, well, and that makes me think if we use shame and guilt as a, as a hammer, the, the, nat- our natural response is defensiveness. It's to self-justify. Mm-hmm. Whereas grace says, yeah, you are messed up, but I love you anyway, accept you anyway. And now I'm sort of pulled out of that, um, that fortress. Does that make, does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's, um, like God, God creates this atmosphere for us to be free to express um, our brokenness. Um, yeah. Because 
like if we really believe that he is um, a God of love and he responds with grace, um, we don't have to fear any um, judgment or condemnation when we when we bring our our messiness and our uh, difficult situations and just um, yeah we can open up our hearts to his um, his healing and his love yeah so let's kind of dive in deeper into the Christian meditation and contemplation and the keys to it the importance of of um, scripture let's uh, would you take us a little deeper into that all right yeah so i think it's important to read and know scripture um to to know kind of how how god wants us to form our minds and our ways of thinking um and meditating on scripture is one way to allow god to um, transform us and to renew our minds. Um, so when we're meditating on scripture, it's, it's a way to um, open, open our minds to what the Holy Spirit wants to, wants to teach us. Yeah. And, um, and I guess for well, for those that might not even really understand what that means, meditating on scripture, and you've got that ebook that I think will help people walk through this if they want to go get that on your website, but like in real like specific terms, like what does it mean? Does it mean just reading the scripture and then just thinking about it? Is that kind of how you, or is it, is it more structured than, than that? Um, uh, in the most basic terms, it's reading a passage of scripture and um thinking about it but there are more like um specific ways to do it and um so for christian meditation usually you would um kind of start with preparation by praying um opening opening your heart to god and asking god to teach you something through his word um Kind of submitting the time to God, um, and then the next step would be to read a passage or, the, or a verse of the Bible. Uh, read it slowly a few times, um, and notice what stands out to you from from that passage. Um, mm -hmm. So notice if there are words or phrases, or images or concepts that kind of stand out to you, and then think about those words and phrases and um, consider what, what God might be trying to teach you through those ideas. Yeah. Um, it's like uh, noticing what the Holy Spirit is highlighting to you. And so then after, after this reading, the next step would be responding or um, praying and um, it's, it would be like uh, having a dialogue or having a conversation with God about what you've seen in the passage. Um, and you can respond or pray with questions 
um, talk to God about how you feel about this passage. Um, basically, just have a conversation with God about what um, what you've seen in the passage. Yeah. And so I think I think the the contrast to that would be to sort of quickly read through some passages and and that be it like you know, not absorbing it not wrestling with it not internalizing it not um not taking it with me but just reading it like at a shallow level it, there's a diff distinct difference between the two of what you're describing in this yeah i think that can be um a problem with for example trying to read the bible like i tried to read the bible in a year a couple years ago and um it's hard because you have to read so much every day to be able to read the bible in a year yeah um, and so it's hard to take time to really stop and see what the scripture is saying and so that's where I think um, with meditation, it helps you to just slow down and focus on a few verses, just, just a short passage. Yeah. And really just spend time with God in that passage and see what he's trying to teach you through it. Yeah. So what's, what's the importance of Christ's... Um... And as we interpret scripture and, and um, what's, what's his role, what's the importance of Jesus and all of this? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I think Jesus said to his disciples um, in John that he would, um, he would send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit would lead them into all truth and mm -hmm. teach them everything about what he said. So um, when we are reading scripture, um, I think we need to look at it through the lens of Christ um, because sometimes reading the Old Testament can be difficult to understand if we don't understand the context of um, Christ's finished work on the cross and the gospel. Um, yeah. And so. In fact, it can, it can almost have the opposite effect where it's, mm -hmm. where it's, a, it's, it's um, distracting or offensive or, or really difficult, but through the, through the cross, it kind of changes the way we see it. Yeah. So I think just looking at it with that um, interpretive lens, I guess. And um there's also a, a meditation method called Lectio Divina. Okay. Um, and this is from, I think, the sixth century. It's a very classic Christian meditation method. And the key to Lectio Divina is reading scripture with, um, with Christ's presence in mind and entering into the passage of scripture um, with Christ in us as the key and seeing how uh, looking at the scripture with that awareness of Christ can, can teach us different things about the passage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for me, 
something's in my eye. Um, there, there are two things like categorically that have led, have been transformative in terms of my understanding. And one is understanding Christ and God and who he is and his glory. And then understanding how he sees me. Um, and then the two, the two, the interplay between the two. Hmm. And um, so that's maybe an example of, of what you're describing as well. Mm-hmm. So we, you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier about just God's grace and forgiveness, how it creates a safe space for us to be ourselves. So, and, and I think you want to encourage us to pray honestly and deeply. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? And why don't we do that to begin with? Yeah, I think, I guess for people who grow up in church or have a long experience of being a Christian, um, we kind of see prayer as this place to perform or to prove ourselves to God. Um, Like we're supposed to follow a specific like outline or structure to pray in the right way. Um, But that's not really kind of how, I guess, how scripture shows us to pray. For example, in in the Psalms, um, the Psalms are just full of David and other people just (laughs) opening up their hearts to God with all these feelings of anger and sadness and anxiety. And it gives us kind of a model for how we can approach God. The Psalms kind of show us that we have permission to talk to God in that way. Um, And um, I think it's important to, when we pray or when we're just, um in conversation with god not to try to hide parts of ourselves um and not to kind of cover up things because everything is open to god yeah and so if we see that he can already see everything and he already knows everything that's going on in our hearts um then why not just be honest with him and talk to him openly. Um, Yeah. And just knowing that he will respond with grace and that we're, um, we're forgiven before him. Yeah. And it, uh, so I'm, I've got a book that I'm reading now called who will deliver us by Paul Zoll. And he, he uses this phrase um, assimilation of negativity. And so um, I think what, you're also saying is like, we can dive into, and what he's saying in the book is we can dive into the uncomfortable and difficult things in our own hearts, our own evil, our own sin, our own pride. And, and then God can actually heal us. If we, if we can go, if we sort of look, look those things in the face versus ignoring them or avoiding them, which God sees anyway, it's really us that has to, um, to face it. Uh, so what would you speak into that? Um, I think it's, it comes down to trusting God to transform us Mm -hmm. because really, we can't really 
transform ourselves or Hmm. um, we can't become like Christ in our own power, in our own strength. Yeah. We have to depend on, on God to, um, to do that work in us. Um, So I think it's about trusting him (laughs) really. Yeah depending on on him and his his faithfulness um to do that in us yeah and i think there's i guess two layers there that that kind of stick out for me one is like to to recognize that truth that reality is um is overwhelming and and um and paralyzing And, and and just the the sense of I'm on, I'm on, I feel like I'm on my own. I can't transform myself. I'm sort of doomed to that. But the contrast of the gospel is to say, actually, that's only part of the story. And Jesus is saying, yeah, that's, that's the situation, but I've actually overcome it already. I've already taken care of that and um, jump in the boat, so to speak. Right. (laughs) So it's, um, it's, it's scary to face but we already have the answer of which we've already got the antidote to the poison as, as maybe a way to think about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, you, uh, what would you say? And you talk about this idea of um, mindfulness being embodied and having an incarnational view of mindfulness. So what do you mean by that? Share with us what that, what's uh, going on there? Yeah, so I think, um, I guess I mentioned before, a lot of Christians tend to separate our spiritual lives from our physical lives, Mm -hmm. Um, or another way to say it would, yeah, splitting um, like the sacred from the secular. Okay. Common way to phrase it. Um, And I think, I guess, like I mentioned before, there's this broken relationship between ourselves and ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> like we have this kind of disconnect between our our bodies, our physical experience, and our, I guess, spiritual experience. But um, um, I guess mindfulness, but also just um the truth of christ's incarnation um it helps us to kind of restore this broken relationship Um, and for those that are not as familiar with the incarnation what what is that what is the what does jesus's incarnation mean Mm -hmm. yeah it means that um god became a man that christ was a human um, he was incarnated or he took on flesh and he lived our human life. Um, so God understands and knows our human experience. Um, and he, he suffered and he had pain and he had, Mm -hmm. um, all the experiences we have as humans. And so in our experience of, pain and suffering we can identify with Christ in that and and also just in our everyday moments 
um, when we're just doing things that don't necessarily have a spiritual connotation. Um, even in those moments, in those activities, um, we can be aware of Christ um, and his incarnation, um, mm -hmm. knowing that he kind of, he came into our everyday lives and he kind of sanctified that or brought, um, he brought the presence of God into our, um, our physical experiences and our everyday lives. Yeah. And would you kind of going back to the mindfulness, how does that play into how we, how we can observe and participate and understand that? In other words, he's living in our physical reality, but, but we can also completely miss that. So how do you connect the two? Yeah, I think a big aspect of mindfulness is being aware of our experiences, um, accepting our experiences. So even, for example, having the experience of pain in our bodies, um, there are several mindfulness meditations or resources that will help to, um, to just accept or be with those experiences of pain. Um, and there's actually been some studies that show that um, mindfulness meditation can actually help to reduce the experience of chronic pain. Um, and it's not that it changes <laughs> the pain, but it, it helps us to be aware of kind of, um, be aware of how it is in this present moment without kind of, um, catastrophizing or saying like, oh, this is so horrible. Like I have this pain, it's, it's terrible. And kind of thinking about how it's going to affect our future or something. Um, but just being with it in this present moment and kind of accepting how it is now. And that kind of helps to um, reduce the experience of pain. So it's really interesting. <laughs> Yeah, that is. So what, uh, you mentioned catastrophizing, uh, and that's something that you've, you've experienced yourself. And, and I, as I, I imagine we all have, uh, what, what is that? And, and, um, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I, I guess I get that word from, from CBT cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. Um, it, it's a cognitive distortion. So there's a lot of types of cognitive distortions, which are things that we um, we kind of change the way we think about something, but it's not um, the way things really are. <laughs> so catastrophizing is one of those, and that's um, kind of making a situation a worse problem than it really is in our minds, um, and it's... Um, we can like kind of have these thoughts and feelings about um, a situation like it's just completely terrible. It's a catastrophe. It's um, nothing's going to go right. Everything's just going to go wrong. And it's, 
we kind of have these thoughts that play in our heads. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess mindfulness can help us um, notice those thoughts, um, become aware of those thoughts and recognize how they are not true or not necessarily true. Um, <clears throat> so if, if mindfulness is about being aware or noticing um, our thoughts, then tools like cognitive behavioral therapy can then help us to um, change those thoughts. Um, yeah. It gives us a tool for how to um, take control a little bit and um, change how we think and how we feel and what yeah. we do. So tell us what is CBT, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy? What, what is that? And what's that process look like at just a summary level? It's, um, it's a common, um, type of therapy, um, for it's used for dealing with a lot of different mental health, um, issues like anxiety or depression. And, um, it's really the the essence is how our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors all influence each other. And um, when we can pinpoint or notice a thought or an emotion or a behavior that is not true or not um, helpful, um, then we can kind of change that and um, kind of become aware of, of what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. And so how does that play into what you like, how does CBT specifically, how does it play into to meditation? Is it essentially simply a, a form of it or is it play like interface with it? How do you explain um, that? It's another, another tool, like another tool that we can use for um, supporting our mental health and well-being. Um, I guess if, if meditation is a way to practice, um, practice becoming aware, um, then I guess CBT is like what you do when you become aware. Okay. <laughs> like, okay so that's the next step. What do we do after we notice and stop um, when we're kind of caught up in these thoughts and feelings of, of anxiety or whatever it is? Yeah. And so I guess if someone is ex like that catastrophizing, the we can kind of re we can unravel pretty quickly and go into places um, pretty, pretty severe places quickly. Um, and so it is, is the CBT, the tool to help us prevent us from unraveling in those moments, or is that once you sort of catch yourself, then you would use it. How would you describe that? Um, I would say it's, um, it's what we can do once we catch ourselves okay. because um, I think one of the big ideas of mindfulness is that 
it's really normal in our everyday lives to just be on autopilot or like automatic mode. Um, our minds can just really go down these rabbit trails of thoughts and worries and anxieties, or we get lost in our thoughts. Um, but mindfulness is about helping us to notice um, and stop. So like, for example, I could be, I mean, this happens to me on a daily basis. I'm like <laughs> washing dishes or something. And I notice that my mind is just completely full of an anxious thoughts. And, yeah. and I think <clears throat> before I learned mindfulness, it wasn't as easy for me to notice when this happened. Yeah. Um, my mind would just be always on, on autopilot. Um, but practicing mindfulness, I've learned, and it's become more of a habit, more um, like more easy to um, to notice when when I'm lost in those thoughts and yeah. then to stop and, for example, stop, um, take some deep breaths, yeah, come back into the present moment. Um, and like notice something in my present moment experience. Uh, it's like um, using a grounding technique. So grounding would be like just noticing something in your physical experience. Yeah. And that brings you back into the present moment. So what about like, like would, would counting be example, like counting to five? Would that be a grounding yeah, example? Okay. Yeah grounding like counting to five or seeing five things you can see or something yeah. um trying to hold on to what's real versus what's imaginative yeah yeah and then you have this um then you have the choice to change what you're doing or to change how you're thinking um it's kind of about recognizing that you have you have agency or you have um, the ability to make a decision yeah. about what you're going to do in that moment. Okay. And so I, I guess I, I think of it as um, there's two, two pieces of that. One is catching ourselves as we're unraveling. Mm -hmm. And then the other part is actually dealing with whatever caused us to go down that, um, that pathway to begin with. Mm -hmm. So which, which of the tools is the catching and which of the tools is um prevent you know healing preventing it from even happening in the first place um i, I think you said the mindfulness is sort of the catching part because yeah. i can see myself i can grab my sort of grab that um so i guess if that's the case then then what would be the prevention mm -hmm. yeah or the yeah being able to catch ourselves yeah, um, and um, dealing with those things, I guess. I mean, there's a lot of different tools, but for example, CBT. Um, and then I just also think prayer, <laughs> like yeah. when, we, when, we, when we stop and notice ourselves in a moment like that, um, I feel like it should be kind of our first instinct to go to God in prayer. Yeah. Um, 
and to bring that situation to God, um, to talk to him about it, to tell him what's going on in our hearts, what we're feeling, uh, what's happening in our minds, and to listen to him and see um, just what he's saying. For example, um, for example, um, if you're having thoughts of um, maybe judgment towards yourself um, and you're saying like, oh, I'm, I'm such a bad person, look at what I did, or, or oh, I shouldn't be thinking this way, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Um, well, then if you notice those thoughts and bring it to God in prayer, then mm -hmm. it's like asking God what he thinks. Well, God, what do you think about um, what I'm thinking or feeling right now? Uh, what do you think about this thought I'm having, like, like I'm judging myself or I'm a horrible person? For example. Yeah. Like, and usually when we bring it to God in, in prayer like that, we'll, you know, we'll get the response of, well, God's love and God's grace. Um, he, he's not judging us. So mm -hmm. we shouldn't judge ourselves, um, for example. So. Yeah. So I think one of the things that comes to mind that I, I think is part of the dynamic here that's, that's unfolding when we're dealing with, you know, our mind goes down this catastrophic path or anxiety or whatever, or even depression, but mm -hmm. there's a sense of sometimes for me, when, it, when I go down those pathways and I'm, ima I'm imagining this fake world or fake explanation it's 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 a coping mechanism to avoid the very real pain that i'm feeling maybe it's or the feel the emotion that i'm feeling whether it's maybe anger or rejection or loneliness or whatever it might be like we have a hard time sitting in those uncomfortable emotions sitting in those in that pain and and not that we should want to be in pain but we certainly could be better at, um, at facing it and processing through it, or, or at least we can develop the habits and disciplines to help us through that. I mean, is that part of it? Or would you, what would you say to that? Speak into that. I'm sorry. Could you kind of rephrase the question? Yeah. So how do we, like you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, like if we can reframe how we see pain, it helps us to sit with it more effectively. And so I think that because we don't do that, it makes some of these mental issues more severe than they would otherwise be. Is, is that mm -hmm. correct or am I off? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> Yeah, I guess it's about our, <clears throat> our perception. Mm -hmm. um, and mindfulness is a lot about having, having the right attitude and the right perception of things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it's, um, <clears throat> it's pretty common to blow things out of proportion. And 
kind of to make generalizations or to kind of use your emotions as your way to make decisions or something. Um, but <clears throat> mindfulness is a lot about um, being aware of our perceptions of things yeah. and realizing that um, the way we might be thinking about something is not necessarily true. Yeah. Um, I guess there's, um, there's an idea in mindfulness called non-identification. Um, and this is where we kind of take a step back from our thoughts and our feelings, um, where we don't identify with the thoughts and feelings. Um, and we don't say that this thought defines me. Yeah. But we take a step away and kind of look at it from this perspective of an, an, an outsider, I guess, and say, oh, I'm having this thought, but this thought isn't necessarily true. And it's like not identifying with the thought. So um, I think, yeah, part of mindfulness is about being able to take a step back and kind of look at our experiences through different eyes. <laughs> yeah. So how would you differentiate uh, going back to catastrophic thinking as a leader or as a parent, that actually can be a useful tool to prevent, um, to create safety, to prevent issues, to be proactive. So how would you distinguish or discern the difference between a healthy um, foresight of what could go wrong and an unhealthy obsession of the catastrophic? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like we should always, you know, be thinking about, you know, protecting people, protecting each other, keeping people safe. Yeah. Um, but I guess we tend to sort of worry a lot and turn it into just um, worrying about the future. But um, <clears throat> I think the distinction would be trying to have the right perception of things and trying to have a realistic view of, um, for example, what's, what's actually possible, what could, um, I guess, what could happen um, and what can I do? Like kind of yeah. what's in my, what's in my power to do to, um, to protect or to prevent that from happening, I guess. Yeah. I'm not sure. And, and I guess what, so then in that case, it would be a matter of, okay, if there is something I can do, I can take that step. Um, but, but at that point, then I have to sort of surrender to God and say, God, I've done what I can, but you've got to do, you've, it's up to you to sort of fill the gap. Is, it, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, like, um, I guess we, we should always be um, kind of listening to God and paying attention to what, 
what he's saying to us in this moment. Um, yeah. And, and of course we do have responsibility to, to take action and, and to take care of ourselves and take yeah. care of others. Um, but there are some things we can't do. And that's when it's just leaving it in God's hands. Yeah. And, um, well, and that's where it, it can get, I think, confusing. And this is where I guess we have to seek God's direction is in some cases we might be paralyzed and courage to act is what we need to do. And in other cases, our, our, uh, our mental um, unraveling may drive us to do some action that we actually would be better off not doing and just stopping. Right. And, um, and so it's, it's not always obvious which one it is. Right. Yeah, that's true. I think, I guess that's where it, um, where it becomes important to know God's word because um, mm. God's word is what kind of gives us this general direction of like how, how we should live. Yeah. Um, where he, you know, he gives us instructions and he tells us how to live basically. <laughs> so yeah. We should know, for example, what God says in the Bible um, but also I think his word, um, gives us wisdom. And so we can, um, we can also make our own choices with the wisdom that yeah. comes from his word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So talk to us about how mindfulness and meditation help us stay connected to God as the source of life and goodness. And, um, and how God, how that connection, um, uh, it's importance to us. Yeah, I think um, we can be aware of, of God's presence with us at all times. Um, for example, Jesus said, remain in me as I remain in you. Um, he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us <clears throat> and knowing that he is always with us. Um, I think um, this idea of mindfulness is just also being in the present, living in the present moment with awareness of God's presence with us. So we can always have, um, we can always be listening to him and aware of him. Um, but also I think we can intentionally set aside time to, um, for example, to practice meditation or prayer or reading the word. Yeah. Um, and, and these practices can obviously open us up to being um, more aware of mm -hmm. his presence with us, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think, I guess the other thing I would ask about is, you know, we can read the scriptures and meditate on those and understand them, but there is going to be situations that we have to deal with that aren't specifically addressed in scripture. 
and so how does that relationship um how do we how do we work through those types of situations um i think bringing it to god in prayer <laughs> yeah I guess, like I said, trusting, um, trusting in his, in his um, kind of his providence and his provision. Um, yeah, obviously we have to make decisions and do things in our lives that are not addressed in scripture. Yeah. Um, but I think when we're, connected with God, um, we can be sensitive to his guidance and his direction. Um, and we can kind of even make decisions without having clear guidance necessarily, but still trusting that God is going to work. Um, and he's going to kind of he's going to be faithful and he's going yeah. to um guide us yeah so let's um let's talk a little bit about you mentioned cbt um you know there's self-awareness control over how our thoughts feelings and behaviors influence us having that uh, that mindfulness um what about other systems software mindfulness apps um you know, there's 10% better, there's Calm, there are many others, and they seem to be popping, a lot of them seem to be popping up, and we, at least in America, it seems like, you know, there's an anxiety, a lot of anxiety, um, not just because of the pan even before the pandemic hit, we were kind of already um, struggling with that, and the pandemic sort of amplified it. Um, what would you say to these, and, and then also other religious practices, um, you know, what is a Christian's uh, perspective on these things, and, and how should we wisely navigate them? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, mindfulness apps um, and resources um, that come from a secular perspective. Yeah, um, and it can be it can be tricky because some of them also have Buddhist overtones. Yeah, um, <clears throat> but I don't believe that as Christians we should completely avoid these resources yeah um, i think a christian response would be more to ask the holy spirit for discernment <clears throat> and um because for for one thing mindfulness is um is scientific there's a lot of research supporting its use and supporting its helpfulness in um in mental health yeah and I think like the science and psychology and, um, can help us to make use of these resources and these tools like the secular meditation apps, but um, we can come to them with um, a Christian perspective because maybe sometimes the mindfulness meditation will say, for example, um, something that we don't necessarily 
feel like we should participate in as Christians. Um, and for, I, I mean, I don't believe that it can harm us necessarily because I believe the Holy Spirit is protecting us and guiding us. Mm-hmm. Um, he, um, he gives us discernment. So yeah. we, we can ask him for guidance in, in which practices we should participate in and which ones maybe we should avoid. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, trusting that God is present with us and he's protecting us. So it's not that anything will necessarily damage us. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Well, and I think even, even if it did, we can believe trust that God will work, will rectify us. Even if that were the case, uh, that God is going to continually work and heal us out. And I guess maybe the example, maybe an example would be, or a small example might be, um, the tr- is the idea of the truth of what is true, what is not true. And mm-hmm. if we come to some false belief, um, you know, the Holy spirit can work that out in us if we're meditating in the scriptures. Right. Yeah, and um, I think there's uh, there's a verse that says the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Yeah. So the Spirit of Truth, um, and He He guides us into the truth. So yeah. Yeah. And so, are there are there any that you or any tools or I mean you mentioned CBT. Are there any tools or apps? Um, or any practices that you do tend to prefer over others because of um, because they're coming from either a secular or a religious point of view? Um, or are there even any Christian resources that are directly available? I mean, you got your website and, and your ebook, and I'm glad to see that. But is is there much else out there? Um, I do use some secular mindfulness apps. Yeah. Um, my favorite one is called Smiling Mind. Okay. And it's, um, it's a meditation app from an Australian uh, nonprofit organization. And um, I like these kinds of mindfulness meditations because they're really um, practical and mm-hmm. not, they don't have these spiritual connotations. So, yeah. From from a secular, I guess, point of view, it's it's really just um, kind of practicing this everyday skill of being mindful in your yeah. daily life. Um, and there, I guess, from a Christian perspective, there are there are a lot of meditation apps actually coming out these days. Um, I I really like a Christian. Um, there's a Christian meditation podcast. It's called yeah. the Christian meditation podcast. <laughs> I think that's the name of it. Um, I really like that one. And um, there's another app called um, reflect, reflect Christian mindfulness. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of resources um, and um if I could mention my ebook also. Yeah, yeah. So tell us, tell us about the ebook and what's in it and, and how it works and um, yeah, how people could access it. So 
Yeah, so um, I'm creating a 30-day scripture meditation devotional. Um, it's called Enter His Rest. And um, this is a devotional where every day um, um, it's a guided meditation on scripture. So um, it's, it's similar to listening to a guided meditation on audio, but yeah. it's in written form. And so um, in this devotional, um, each day has one passage of scripture and the topics are entering God's rest, um, finding peace, um, um, trusting God. And so scripture is about those topics. And so each day just guides you through um, meditating on that scripture. Yeah. So, and would, would you say this is for someone that is uh, new to, to this meditation or an expert or, or who's, who's the best uh, fit for this ebook? This is for anyone who is interested in Christian meditation and it is for beginners essentially. So yeah. if, you, if you don't know anything about Christian meditation, um, the goal of this devotional is to help teach you how to meditate as a Christian by doing it. So you're going to learn, I guess, um, how to meditate on scripture. Yeah. By... It's a daily exercise, right? And about how long does it take for each, uh, do you, is it like how much time does someone want to dedicate each day for this? Um, about 15 to 20 minutes is what I would say for each day. Okay. Yeah. And anything else about it you want to share? Um, and, and I guess to access it, they would simply go to your website, commongrace.com. Yeah, so um, there will be a link on my website, uh, commongrace.com. Um, if you, it's, um, it will, it will be available for pre-order. Yeah. Um, and um, if you want to find out at this point, you can go to calmandgrace.com slash subscribe um, okay. and sign up for my email list. Um, and then you'll, you'll get the first when it's released. Okay. Cool. Well, that's exciting. And how long have you had the website? Have you been doing the website? I started Calm and Grace in uh, January, 2020. Okay. So you, you were like, a you had some foresight there to, prior to the pandemic then <laughs> yeah, some uh, some providential guidance there <laughs> yeah it was I, was I mean have you have you found have you had any feedback from people just in regards I mean last year was quite a quite a ride for for even those of us that had a little bit of a grounding in place already it was still quite intense so have you found that as well um, in terms of people that have interacted yeah, with your stuff or with you Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had a lot of people um, um, getting emails from people who've read my website um, saying that they were looking for resources to help them deal with anxiety and stress and, um, or for example, people who went to therapy and their, their therapist told them about mindfulness and they were looking for mindfulness from a Christian perspective. Yeah. 
So it's, it's really um, an honor that I've been able to speak into these people's lives and um, kind of that my website has been able to be a resource for people yeah. to learn about these things. <laughs> and so we connected on, on Twitter and, um, and Twitter is like the anxiety inducing machine. So tell us about that and your presence on it and, and how you're, cause you share some of this type of stuff in tweet form, right? How, how has that unfolded for you? Um, yeah, I started um, a Twitter account just kind of to share my blog. Yeah. Um, it's been kind of slow growing it. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's like, um, I think I, I used to just kind of share, share my blog posts on Twitter, but now I'm kind of realizing that if you want to be kind of, I don't know, successful on Twitter, I guess you could say, you kind of have to interact with people yeah. and be a real person and not just share links all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, it, it is a commitment. It's, it's a hard thing. Um, I think if you, you go down that road, it, it can be fruitful, but yeah, it is certainly a commitment that you have to stick with. Yeah. <laughs> but I enjoy so, it. I like being people's thoughts and stuff on there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess what else uh, would you, um, would you have to share with us that you didn't get a chance to share already? Have we missed anything or have we covered everything? Um, I'm pretty sure we've covered everything. <laughs> All right. So um, if people want to check out um, you, they can, I'll put links in the, in the page notes um, to your website, to your, to your Twitter. Um, you have a Pinterest as well. You're on Instagram. Um, so those are great ways to, you do these great graphics um, with a lot of quotes and scriptures and, and insights so people can follow along on there. They can subscribe to your email newsletter and, um, and get news about your ebook um, as that, uh, as that becomes available. Anything else? Uh, any other way that people can connect with you or does that cover it? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's it. Callmarys.com and then whatever social media. <laughs> okay, great. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really a nice conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of Share Life. For additional stories and systems to live better and work smarter, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. We look forward to having you listen in on the next episode of Share Life.